Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode four of the Triad Health Podcast. This is Jack Sternett speaking, and then my co-host is Taylor Smith. <laughs> that was the suspense was killing me for a second no. there. Um, you know, you know how to make it. It's going to be. <laughs> it could be anything or anyone, if, especially if this is your first time listening and or watching on the video. Um, today, during episode four, we're going to circle back to the aspect of fitness, which is one of the three parts of the triad of health. And episode one of our entire podcast was fitness. Then we talked about nutrition as episode two. Episode three is mental health. As I said, now we're back to fitness. And for today's episode, we're going to be spitting fire, riffing, talking about stuff. What what exactly might we uh, summarize really quick, Taylor? What, what do you think the listeners are going to get out of this episode? What are we going to oh, talk man. about? There's going to be some gems in this episode. For sure. <clears throat> Jewels, dude. Straight up rubies or uh, yeah, diamonds. Diamonds, diamonds are better. Diamonds. <laughs> uh, no, we're going to talk about recovery methods, different recovery methods. Um, I keep wanting to use the term biohacking, but not really, sort of. Yeah, and that also might be sort a of. vague term to a lot of the listeners. And this isn't, like, yeah, is this a science better. class, Taylor? This isn't science class. But that's a good, we can explain that later. Go ahead. But, uh, talk about overtraining. Okay. We're also going to talk about some of our favorite exercises. Some of the best exercises in general for building strength and also preventing injuries with whatever strength program that you're following. So, yeah, I mean, I think you and I probably know quite a bit about training through injuries and by injuries, it could, there's a spectrum to that. There's a range. Oh yeah. You know, like right now, currently I'm training around a messed up foot. I don't think it's, I don't know. It's either broken or whatever, but the point is it's, I can't use it as much as I would when I'm hundred percent healthy. And I've always, obviously we've talked about in other episodes, how many injuries I've had in the past and Taylor's had to train through a lot of different injuries as well. And I mean, you agree, right? I mean, don't you think injuries are, whether it's uh pulled hamstring and you had to tra- train around that or actually oh, yeah. a serious surgical surgery, you know, injury for sure. Yeah. Um, you can definitely speak a lot more on the injury side of things. I've definitely been very, very lucky to not have a whole lot of really intense injuries. Like, I guess, major, you know? Yeah, I think I think a lot of people, especially people that compete, I don't compete in sport right now. Um, I think all, a lot of people are walking around pretty banged up. Yeah, I mean, you've also trained and talked with people and coached people who I guarantee have nicks and bruises. I don't know all the people you coach and train and, and – and, um, give advice to now you're really short compared to me i know i guess he wants to be even shorter um i'm six five uh taylor's let's just say five something four foot three <laughs> last time checked. Yeah. <laughs> he is standing up right now you can't see but he's actually not yeah. sitting um for the, shrinking for the people year. watching the video if you can't see his legs he's actually standing not really yeah, so that'd be kind of cool so uh yeah but yeah i mean you not not just because you haven't necessarily experienced a ton yourself you have worked with and talked to plenty of athletes and or individuals just trying to get healthy and during fitness who who have gone through and trained through injuries as well yeah absolutely um so yeah i guess we can go ahead and transition into overtraining from there yeah we'll start with that man i mean yeah this is a uh go ahead yeah so First off, people are like, well, what, is that? what does that mean, overtraining? Um, there's there's a lot of ways to tell if you are overtraining. Um, I think, I mean, what works for me, I lift probably three or four days a week. Um, 
Do you work out three or four days a week or do you lift? I lift, oh, I I lift weights that. three to four days a week. Okay. And I sprint typically one or two days a week. I do a lot of kettlebell and gymnastic work and stuff like that. But I think you have to be real specific when you're talking about overtraining because if we're talking about professional athletes, um, you are probably going to be some degree of overtrained, whether you're an MMA athlete or a CrossFit athlete or something along those lines. However, it gets real scientific. So it, it does get very scientific and there's a lot of different details depending on the person. And when it comes to a high level athlete, whether they're professional or they're just training and moving their body a lot. Someone told me this one time and I thought it was amazing. You got to pick your spots with it. You know, Absolutely. if you're training for a race or a competition or a game, you know, you obviously taper your training based sure. on that schedule. But there's plenty of different MMA fighters, CrossFitters, any other American sports, soccer, football, baseball, who in their training camp or maybe midweek practice, they are, you know, based on science and evidence and studying muscle fibers and stuff, they are overtraining. Right. But then again, that doesn't mean that maybe someone, you know, that for some reason, I immediately thought like someone listening to this who's not necessarily a high level athlete or training six plus days yeah. a week, they might think, oh, you know, I trained three days, but. I'm overtraining now, so I'm going to take. You right. know, there's. We'll explain the levels to that. But yeah, so let's. I guess let's just focus on one demographic of people. We'll, we'll start talk with about the athletes and stuff like that too. Yeah. So right now, let's talk about uh, just your average person and the average person wanting to lift and get healthy and get shredded and stuff like that. You know, so how to know if you're overtrained? Well, there's some easy indicators to know if you're overtrained, right? If you're not sleeping very well, if you're waking up in the middle of the night, uh, if you're not getting boners. It's true, actually. I mean, that moment of silence. No, just kidding. <laughs> it's true. No, it's, um, <clears throat> I know we joke around, you know, here and there, but that's actually true. It's true. Uh, that's, that's definitely a sign of an indication of uh, uh, endocrine system and nervous system stress, for sure. Or are you just um, super drunk? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but just from training, yes, that's true. What did you uh, say about the endocrine and nervous system? Just yeah, so they can actually. A good, that's a good sign that your, your endocrine system in your nervous system and your rest your cns central nervous system is just not, blown uh, out so not getting the wood morning yeah. wood. not getting the wood like you don't want to be whatever for guys obviously Anyways, yeah, for uh not, for females is there if you're not any getting telltale <laughs> signs that's a good question i cannot speak for females i know but like <laughs> but in, but there's some that go hand in hand with both males and females not necessarily you know what i mean like for me obviously one is i've had uh what's the now I'm drawing a blank on it, but muscle soreness, like really bad though. Delayed, delayed onset muscle soreness? Yes, but I got it. I got rhabdo, rhabdomyosis. I've had it three times Oof. in my in my life. Yes, terrible. And that's there's a fine line. You gotta know when something's like a good sore and you're not you're just tired because you worked hard and it's not necessarily overtraining. Or something that is like, wow, your muscle fibers are dying, you're gonna poison your blood. That's rhabdo. We can we, we should talk about a couple of different things like that in a future episode. But there is that we're trying to explain right now. I mean, It'd be really cool to get like a, a real like female athletic figure on yeah like athlete that knows like you know hey like because like I know for me I know when I know that I'm overtrained yeah it's hard to say like for a female but also and, you know, as you're saying yeah it is hard to say for a female but there's some things like females have muscle soreness just like males I mean there's some right. things that carry over to both. That's something too. Um, so like muscle, so muscle soreness, I mean, you can be completely recovered 
muscularly, musculoskeletally. Is that a word? I don't even know. Yeah, muscular. Muscular. Uh, maybe not skeletally. Yeah, whatever. But it is your musculoskeletal <laughs> system. <laughs> your musculoskeletal. Yeah, your musculoskeletal system could be completely recovered, as far as you could have no soreness, but uh, you could, you know, your nervous system might not be recovered. That's where those those cool little exactly you know high tech devices come in, like the Whoop or the Aura Ring. Those are a couple. Yeah, of shout out to those. Shout out to those guys. Um, I haven't been wearing my Whoop lately. But since we're talking about right now the kind of average just human who's just trying to do fitness to become healthier mm -hmm. like we said the muscle soreness is one and you got it everyone taylor said you said you know when you're overtraining because you just yeah, know how you exactly. feel i know that too but it is different to an extent for each person some people have different pain tolerances so someone who has a sore calf from maybe doing a lot of like calf explosions or extensions and stuff might be like, oh, overtrained. When in reality, you're just sore because your muscle is growing. You know what I mean? Right. So you got to kind of test the waters. If you're so sore with your muscle fibers and muscles that it hurts to like walk upstairs and walk, that's when you know you need to rest. Of course. Absolutely. If you're just sore, you know, if it hurt for me, when I had rhabdo every time, I had rhabdo in my abdominals, rhabdo in my thighs a separate time. And my last time recently, I had rhabdo in my calves. It hurt not even moving. And if anyone just barely just touched my muscle mm – -hmm excruciating pain that's obvious that, little, never had that a little that you're a little <laughs> overtrained but uh you know muscle Jesus. soreness in general is not a bad thing not at all it's when it's muscle pain i think that's a yeah. good differentiator muscle soreness to muscle pain sure. anything else that you think besides the soreness and just the fatigue factor yeah that's another one i was going to say is fatigue like chronic fatigue uh, if you're having chronic fatigue, like Maybe we said, sleep problems. Yeah, there. sleep problems. Sleep sleep is a big one. You should definitely be aiming for at least seven. Yeah, hours at least. Um, we could talk about sleep on a whole, a whole episode on sleep, which would be interesting because that can go hand in hand with fitness and mental health. Yeah, sleep, and even your attrition can affect your sleep. So that's a whole absolutely rabbit hole we could go down. But yeah, sleep is ooh, and uh, and sleep's interesting too because. You how, how many hours on average do you think you just uh, on like an ideal week? If you had a perfect week with your schedule and stuff, how many hours per night do you sleep? Uh, I prioritize my sleep. Okay. So I sleep typically about between eight and eight and a half hours. Of sleep. Okay, so that's you. For me, like spot on eight and a half. And you I'm feel not talking like laying down. I'm not right. talking about from the time I get in bed. I mean, like when I sleep. When your eyes, when my eyes you're are unconscious, shut. and I could. You know, you're, you're dead asleep. Yeah. Yeah. You're in deep REM sleep. So eight, eight and a half hours. See, for me, I know for a fact, and you feel totally rested, first of all. That's plenty for you. You feel ready, ready to go. Some, some days, yeah. Some days I don't. Some yeah, days, that's true. Some days and maybe I that's your overtrained. Maybe that's when you realize you're overtrained. Absolutely. Yeah. I like using devices like the Whoop. Uh, Aura Ring is another one. It's called an Aura Ring. How do you spell uh, that? A-U-R. A, I think. A-U-R-A. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Quick. Yeah, you can look it up while I talk for um, a second. So Taylor was saying he gets eight to eight and a half hours of sleep, and he feels... No, for the I take that back. O-U-R-A. O-U-R-A. Aura ring. O-U-R-A. So for Taylor, like he said, and I'll let you talk about that in one second, but uh, hey, we're popular. We're blowing up on our cell phones here. Um I get less than eight hours almost every night, but I feel totally rested, amazing. My sleep quota has gone down. One, because I got such bad sleep hours. I got used to sleeping less yeah. from being in the hospital so much. But also, 
I mean, I don't eat within three hours of going to bed. So I, my body's not trying to mm-hmm. digest food when I sleep. So the point is everyone's got their different pain tolerance, different soreness levels and different sleep. But I think you definitely, the goal is to wake up and not feel like you're dragging until noon. And that's when you know yeah. you probably should sleep more, right? Well, that's right. Well, yeah, there's, there's a lot of factors to the equation as far as the fatigue thing goes. I think a lot of people hit afternoon fatigue because they're chronic carbohydrate burners and they're consuming tons of carbohydrates. They get, get up in the morning and have a bagel and then, you caffeine, know, your body, yeah, caffeine, you know, but that's a different conversation for a nutrition podcast. Yep. So but, you think fatigue, muscle soreness, anything else? Off the, I can't think. I think of the it. biggest indicators are, uh, Sleep, if you're not, if you're waking up in the middle of the night, if you yep. can't sleep very well, if, you, if your sleep latency is horrible, which means if it's, if you have a lot of, you know, time, um, a lot of trouble falling asleep, basically. Um, and then chronic fatigue is another one. I think what's important too is unless you are only doing your fitness and working out, like maybe around your neighborhood or at home and in like a gym you have at home or something, Assuming most of you are probably go to some sort of facility, gym, uh, group workout, I would ask someone who works there who know who's maybe a trainer or something. Do you think I'm overtraining? Like, because it's hard yeah. if you are a beginner to fitness or you maybe have been doing, you've been going working out, maybe running every day for the past three years, but you've never really even thought about the subject yeah. of overtraining. I would ask a professional. At the nearest by, you can even walk into a gym if you don't go there and just spend 10 seconds saying, hey, do you think I'm overtraining? I'm experiencing this, this, and this. Yeah. And that's a good way to double check. Because when I first started CrossFit training when I was a senior in high oh, school, yeah. um, I mean, I would overtrain on accident. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I would t- ask my my coach and be like, all right, I'm feeling like this, this, and this. Do you think I should slow down? And they would tell you yes or no or, you know. Yeah. So I think that's a good thing to do. Um, Taylor and I have been doing it long enough, and we know – how we feel when we are way overtrained and we know how we feel when we could probably put more hours in. So it's different per person, but for just the general human being, who's not a high level athlete or professional, that might be a very helpful thing to do. Good place to start. Um, So yes. Yeah. So overtraining, I think when it, when regards to training. So if we talk about like you're an average gym goer, average CrossFitter, um, you don't want it's you don't want to overdo especially like the metcons and the lifting you don't i don't think they're unless you're training for a specific a specific competition or training for a specific event or you're training for sport there's no real reason to work out three times a day uh it's not going to help your longevity for sure it's 100 not going to i don't care what anybody says um Taylor, do you remember? Taylor sent me a uh, picture, or a, 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 he sent me a screenshot of a guy's Instagram. How old is he? Forty-eight. He is absolutely shredded. Looks like a superhero carved out of, you know, gold. And he only works out forty-five minutes at the most when All he does. Star, I think and his name. yes, and he only works out three or four days a week. He's 48, 45 minutes. He's getting a lot. A lot of efficiency and a lot of yeah. a lot done in forty five minutes. He's not sitting there and resting for ten minutes in between movements, but he's he he could not be more look look more, more yeah. chiseled and fit. If and he's only working out forty five minutes four days a week. Yeah, if you're looking to be shredded, in shape, feeling good, vitality, longevity into old um, age, into old age, yeah. then you want to focus on 
everything outside of the gym. So you want to focus on your, the quality of time that you spend in the gym training. And that may not mean intensity every day. You know, Correct. people say that too. That's another thing that I disagree with that intensity is everything and intensity, not necessarily I think on, on, the, on the days you exactly program intensity. I think, I think going hard a couple days, a couple days a week in a Metcon or hard sprints once or twice a week, that's money. Right. But doing that every single day, you're putting a lot of stress on your heart in not a good way. So that's also way to overtrain. Exactly. That will lead into overtraining. Go ahead. Um, So, yeah, if you're looking for longevity, if you're looking to really increase your health span, then. And I think this applies. Like we said, uh, Paul Sklar, an hour in the gym a day. Yeah. Five days a week. He's in and out and he is healthy. His daily. Act functional activities, bending down and grabbing something off the ground, reaching up to a cabinet. He feels great. He's 48 years old. A lot of 40 year olds I'm willing to guess right now wouldn't feel that amazing because they're either right. not working out or they're way overdoing it. Um, what I think was interesting too is, uh, you know, this guy and in general, Taylor and I have adapted our training to, like you said, two or three intense sessions, workout yeah. sessions a week. You know, on the days when I'm not doing those intense sessions, some people might think, oh, but you don't, you know, what's the point? You're not really benefiting. Well, I do. There's lots of different things you can do on the days that aren't as intense. Tempo reps, accessory work. Sure. If you're, if you love bodybuilding, just go stare at the mirror and yeah, do your biceps to your little heart's desire. But that's the biggest you know, thing. The biggest thing is fitness too, is whatever type of training you like. There's so many different methodologies. There's bodybuilding, there's powerlifting, there's CrossFit. There's kettlebell training. I know for me, I love bodyweight training mm-hmm. and kettlebell training. And I do like the big lifts, like the power lifts and sprints. I think those are the exercises where you're going to get the most bang for your buck. And um, you even just said earlier before, earlier in the day, Taylor, was, you, you said, I mean, in, in a week, you could probably come up with more, but you're programming as we speak, a hundred different bodyweight movements, yeah. which are all effective. That's yeah. just one example right there. So that's, Stuff you could either do on your intense days or your uh, kind of just. Are you talking about the, the ebook? I'm yes, I'm writing yes. an ebook. It's mm-hmm. uh, I actually changed. It. I was going to do an eight week progressive program that I had completely written, and then I completely scrapped it. And I was like, you know, I want to make some. I want to make something more accessible to people. So I'm writing a 100. It's Genius. called. Yeah, uh, we'll see how it goes. I think it's. <laughs> I think it's going to help a lot of people. But uh, it's called 100. Uh, what do I have? I have the title in here. He just changed it, so it's not like he's been working on this yeah. for years. So it's that's a, it's why 100 bodyweight workouts. It's called uh, the Bodyweight Nomad 100. That's what I'm going to call it. And it's basically it's 100 workouts. It's got fundamentals, plyometrics. It's got finisher workouts. It's got ab workouts, hypertrophy work. It's got all that stuff in it. It's 100 Dude, fucking workouts. I'm a big believer <laughs> in it. If you guys don't already follow Taylor on Instagram – What's your Instagram really quick? Just so they can, if this is someone's first time. Uh, yeah, it's uh, tailored, T-A-Y-L-O-R-E-D underscore S-C, strength condition. So at tailored underscore S-C. I mean, if yeah. you hear him talking about his ebook, you might be like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't Look know at his Instagram. Oh, my. I mean, his, Anyways, his content videos are ridiculous. He won't hype me up at all. No, I'm just that saying. Much. that's I've been, that's And that's not coming out for a little while. I'm working on that correct. right now. So. But also, just with the body weight, I mean, you can overtrain that. Too, yeah, really. That's yeah. how I got rabbit last time. I did too many calf raises on the edge of a stair. You have you have a, a health condition though, so that's right. That. And, but you can still, yeah. I do have blood some blood flow restriction problems because of my chronic illness. So I'm actually more prone to 
get muscle soreness, fatigue, and rhabdo. But still, if you haven't ever trained your calves before or maybe haven't done push-ups in a long time and all of a sudden you, you know, rep out maybe 100 or more in, a, in, your, in one sitting, yeah. that's going to be a rough you couple days. Slow, yeah, if, you, if you're new to working out, like we said on the pilot episode, you got to start slow. Even if you're not new, gotta start if slow. you're new to a certain movement yeah, or even a certain exactly. weight that you're lifting, chill, bro. Because yeah. it, it's better to be safe and sorry in regards to starting – slower or lighter than going for balls to the wall, showing off in front of your bros or your homies or your girlfriends at the gym. Yeah. And then sitting at home being so sore for a week, you can't even train or injured or injured. And that happens to elite athletes too. Yeah. When I was in the peak of my CrossFit training for CrossFit competitions, there was definitely some weeks leading up to competitions where I was an idiot, overdid everything. Yeah. Went more than just the percentages on my lift, my weightlifting numbers. And I, you know, it cost you, you. So yeah, let's, let's talk, let's talk about that. You trained at CrossFit Invictus for a long time. Yeah. So I, I trained at CrossFit Invictus for gosh, three to four years. And then, um, for about a year and a half, I trained at another CrossFit gym in San Diego called Troy CrossFit. Shout out to Troy CrossFit. It's amazing gym. CrossFit Invictus is also in San Diego. Um, and I trained there for um, more than just Metcons and CrossFit because someone who doesn't know what CrossFit is, they might just immediately think, oh, it's just working out fast and right. Metcons. I also did tons of Olympic lifting, which is the snatch and the clean and jerk. They have tons of power lifting equipment there. They had open gym, which is great. But what was your question basically besides? Yeah, so you trained. Like, what was the training like? You, you did a yeah. lot of – So when I was – I, I was a, I was doing competitions. I, I, I was a competitive CrossFitter for – almost five years out in San Diego. In fact, that was how I made some money while I was in school at San Diego state mm -hmm. was it was, I was already in the gym a bunch. So I figured, well, if I'm already in the gym a bunch training, I might as well try to do a competition and make prize money. So I don't have to spend even more time at a part-time job when I'm in school full time. So that's actually what I did. You know, the prize money wasn't that crazy, but you know, you do a one day competition when 500 bucks, I think that's pretty much yeah. worth it to me, but I did train, so if you want to talk about overtraining real quick, I definitely, when I first started getting that competitive CrossFit environment, I did two a days, six days a week. And on the rest day, I would still do something to breathe heavy. It wouldn't be any lifting weights, but it'd be some sort of cardio to breathe heavy. And some training sessions in like the middle of the, you know, training camps leading up to the big competition, I would do three days. So I'd break it up into only gymnastics for one hour in the morning, do all gymnastic stuff, muscle-ups, toes-to-bar, gymnastics, accessory work, because in CrossFit, you have a lot of uh, gymnastic-type movements, handstand push-ups. Then at, after lunch, I would do an hour of Metcons, so all different kinds of workouts. Metcons are like uh, workouts for time, and you can Google it and find out more information if you don't really know what those are. And then at night, I would do an hour of just purely weightlifting, just slinging weights. That – even at the age I was, I'm only 25 right now. And even now, that is a lot of, you know, work on your body. And I was smart about it. Eventually, I started to taper down, especially leading up to the competitions. But even longevity-wise, I went so hard for at least a month leading to competitions. And then I would taper down and lower my volume in the gym for the two weeks before. But even then, if I kept doing that, I, you know, I'm risking injury. I'm risking more rhabdo. And for overall, you know, eventually I would stop doing competitions like I am now. But in the long run, too, if, if someone's in that lifestyle for fitness competitions or even high level sports and you're just in the gym, always training like 
Mm-hmm. You know, you're getting told to go home. You're going to hurt yourself. Longevity. I mean, that's you're going to shorten your career. You're going to have random pains. I mean, there's so many injuries of mine that were from overtraining. Yeah. Because I'm dumb. Eventually, I learned my lesson. But yeah, three days, two days. Um, for a while, when I was trying to gain weight, all I did was eat eight times a day and only lift weights. I had one conditioning workout a week. The rest right. of the time, I was just slinging the weights at the weight buffet, dude. Yeah. Going back for seconds, man. Weight buffet. Yeah, dude. Yeah. That's that's how you. I mean, that's how you have to train, though, if you want to train. Yes, if you're at that level, and even then, there's smarter ways to do it than I did it, and you'll learn and adapt as you go. And the key was, I had some great people in my ear telling me, helping me out, coaching me, you know, about just the schedule I was on and stuff. And even when I first started, I started lifting weights, going to a gym, working out on my own outside of sports practices when I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure when you when. when when did you kind of just start actually doing stuff outside of PE class? And if you can't remember 14, 14. Okay. So the point is I even overdid that. I would go to sports practice when I was in sixth grade, I was 12. I go to my soccer, baseball, basketball, football, whatever practice I was doing that day. And I'd come home and run more and then do pushups in my driveway until I couldn't anymore. And that definitely hindered my performances in the games and it caused unnecessary amounts of pain. <laughs> like it, it was injuries too. Yeah. I mean, I broke my left foot twice when I was in eighth grade because of overtraining. So anyways, yes, there's a little example for you, what it looks like for taking it from me and what not to do. And the cool thing is now I don't do that. So you can learn and change. It's You just got to have more self-awareness. I was not self-aware at all. I thought the more hours in the gym, the better. Yeah. I thought the harder I go, I want to lay on the ground for 10 minutes, reeling in pain after every workout. <laughs> Otherwise, it wasn't worth it. That's 100%. It couldn't be more wrong. That's a hundred percent okay for. That's hundred percent okay to do. But yes, that's you know I'm not going to. We're not going to tell you guys what to do here. That's totally no. fine. But f- we're talking about purely no. for. We're talking about. Uh, we're talking health, about health overall span. health. Yeah. And and longevity. Exactly. So you would agree that if you're training for a certain event or competition, training for event competition, that's actually fine. different. But even different. then, you probably want an off season of some sort. You want you, definitely, yeah, periodization. You know? Yeah, you definitely. Periodization. Want, I mean, you see a lot of these top athletes like yeah. Matt Fraser in the CrossFit game. We can use CrossFit as an yeah, example. Yeah, Matt Fraser's four-time fittest man on earth. He takes two months off out of the year. Yeah, important to do, especially for your body and your, you know, you're, you're your putting mind, all that stress your on your body. Yeah, yeah, on your joints. Yeah. You so, know what's crazy too is I took three weeks off from squatting because I had a little uh, tweak in my hip. I didn't squat, didn't even move my, use my legs in anything for three weeks. I came back and PR'd my back squat the first day back. And I don't think it's a coincidence because I just let my lower body rest. My CNS is better in my joints. My muscles got an actual chance to just chill. So that, you know, that's not going to happen every time. We're not going to put a guarantee on that, but that's another example. Like it's not bad for you to rest. Especially certain body parts, training around recovery. And training around injuries, which is something we could actually talk about. Yeah. Oh yeah, for which, sure. which we are going to talk about eventually. It's, it's hard, episode. man. Sometimes it's hard to rest. Like we're kind of like I know yeah. like, for me, I'm t- a total gym rat. Like <laughs> it's hard to rest. Yeah. I don't train all the time. I can. I want. I want to work out all the fucking time, but you, your body is going to tell you otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean it, and would you agree with this statement? With all three aspects that try to help with fitness, nutrition, and mental health, if you are obsessing over it, overdoing it, and always worrying about things you can do more to get better, in itself, that's unhealthy. Unhealthy, absolutely. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I, w- I wanted to talk about that, too. So you, fitness is not just about what you do in the gym. It's about – it's more what you do outside of the gym. 
We talked about Paul mm-hmm. Squar working out. He's 48, I think, 47. Yeah, he's, he's up in his 40s. An hour a day, gets the most out of his sessions. But then what do you do outside of the gym? How's your nutrition? How's your relationships? How's your, you know, how's all that stuff? Hydration. How's your how's your hydration. During the day, how's your posture? I've been, yeah. I'm a hypocrite because I've been kind of slouching because I'm really tall and this mic's a little low. But believe it or not, posture, especially after eating, it is, it's more and more people are, are researching this stuff and people who are doctors and stuff. And I've even noticed in my own life, posture is huge. If you're slouched over after eating, all your organs decompress and it makes digestion tougher. That seems like common sense, but no one really thinks about it. Posture is huge. Posture will also help your sleep and everything. So that's outside the gym, even in the gym. After yeah. a set, if you're on like a bench doing dumbbell work or if you're um, you know, sitting down between squat reps, are you on the, sitting down, hunched over, just, you know, or are you yeah. trying to keep a good posture? Maybe put your hands above your head, trying yeah. to breathe. So posture is huge. Hydration, relationships. What else do you think? There's a ton of things that people should be doing outside of their training gym. I think uh, and this breath will, work is really important. What did you say? Sorry. Breath work. Okay. So we may have mentioned that on a previous podcast. 100% agree. Breath work is really important. I know for me, I chronically, um, I have a deviated septum, so it's hard for me to breathe out of my right nostril. There's like when I breathe out. It's there's like air not coming out of my right. And, and if the camera could zoom in, you would see this crooked so if you want to little, zoom in on little my nostril. Little crookedness <laughs> in Taylor's nose. So yeah. Um so breath work is really important. And of course, postural work is Correct. very important as well. Right. And Both everything we're talking about outside the gym, this is all gonna help your fitness. Because this is obviously the fitness episode, but all this stuff will increase your fitness, also your effectiveness of what you're doing in the gym. Um you know, because if you're working hard in the gym for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, or you're slouched all day, or you're not hydrating, or you're angry and yelling at people all day, it's kind of going to hinder your benefits of actually doing fitness. I was just thinking about my girlfriend. She was like, I, I always tell her about my nose. I'm like, how oh, my nose is fucked up today. And she's like, I'm tired of hearing about your damn nose, dude. Trying to look at so it. So the dude. next 30 minutes of this podcast is going to be all about my fucking nose. I'm trying to look at it. I can't even look at this damn guy. <laughs> all right, we'll catch you. So yeah, I'm tired of looking. God, dude, it's so, I'm kidding. It's not that obvious. I had a deviated septum. I broke my nose three times in my life. I had surgery um, twice. The other time, it was just a minimal. It, it's hard to explain. So I, I broke it the first time, and then I broke I broke it worse, and that's when I got the second surgery, and then the third surgery was when I broke it again. But it's a real thing. Yeah. If you can't breathe through your nose, which we can talk about breathing for thirty minutes at least, but Nose breathing is something you should always be doing. Yeah. Always. And we can give some resources and some people who um, actually are professionals and experts on yeah, this. Let's, let's give a couple of those resources yeah. actually me, right now. I'm trying to think of what, um, what was that guy I sent you, Patrick McEwen or something? I'm not sure. We'll come up with that guy, but go ahead. Wim go ahead. Hoff for sure. Wim Hoff. Wim Hoff breathing method. I know uh, Ben Greenfield's talked about a couple of breathing techniques like box breathing. I think it's a four count in, yep. four count hole, four count out. I do that before my speaking gigs because it helps me not only calm down. I don't get like that anxious anymore, nervous at all. But even even if I just feel amazing before a speaking gig, before a big rep, before a PR attempt, before a long run, Mm -hmm. if you can slow your heart rate down, you're going to be way better in your fitness or in anything in life. So box breathing is something I do all the time. So, yeah, it's four seconds in, four second hold, four seconds out. And I just do that four times. So go ahead. Yeah. So yeah. The, the so Ben Greenfield. Yeah, yeah. Wim, and yeah, we know Wim Hof. Wim Hof is great. He's got some 
very specific methods for different things, but in general, yeah. for daily breathing, you always gonna want to breathe through your nose. If anybody doesn't especially know, especially when you sleep. If anybody doesn't know who Wim Hof is, you need to check that guy out. He is a guy who hiked Mount Everest in shorts and a t-shirt, or no shirt, no, no shirt, shirt, no shirt. I don't think he had shoes on either. Um, I think he just had a pair of socks, to be honest. A pair of socks, yeah. something like that. Yeah, crazy. He has a crazy breathing. He's got method. this breathing technique that helps not only just calm your mind, it also calms your body, your mitochondria. It's crazy. It sounds like it's a made-up, whiffy thing, but if you actually Google or YouTube him. And there's another gentleman. It's I can't think of his name right now, but he works with NFL athletes, um, UFC fighters, MLB athletes, and he teaches them all, all how to breathe properly during – Particularly fitness. I think I sent it to you on a – Yeah. We'll, we'll come up with his, his okay. name in one second. And he also has a company, and he's got all these tr- free training videos. And the big thing that he also talks about is when you sleep, there's a lot of mouth breathers out there. If you can sleep through your nose, your sleep quality is going to go up. You're not going to have sleep apnea and, and so on and so on. So, and, and when you're working out too, if you breathe through your nose, your lung capacity and therefore your aerobic capacity is going to go through the roof compared to – Heavy breathing yeah, through your mouth. This guy. Yeah, I was, I was almost right. Patrick McCown. His name is Patrick, and then his last, his last name is spelled M, lowercase c, and then uppercase K-E-O-W-N. He has the, uh, the Budico Clinic. It's a Budico is the name of the guy who basically was the – he started the whole research in – implementing breathing techniques to the world. He's a Russian He's dude. a nasal breathing guy, right? Yes. It's and so the, at the Budico Clinic International, it's the world's leading authority on this particular breathing method, and he works with tons of different athletes. If you want to go to the website to expand on it's what we're talking cool. about with breathing, which yeah. is so important for not only your everyday life, but fitness as well, yeah. is uh, B-U-T-E-Y-K-O and then clinic.com. So B-U-T-E-Y-K-O clinic.com. There's a bunch of free material in there and everything. So that's something that's super important to add to your repertoire. If you can say that 10 times. Repertoire, repertoire. Oh, uh, he, he messed up. You fucked up, dude. Yeah, too. I'm, I can't even, so now I can't, <laughs> I can't look at your nose and now I can't even look at your face because uh, you fucked up. Oh, shit. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually not mean. I'm just, giving him a hard time for people who like are just watching this for the first time. Shout out. To, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. I like hey, that. soon, you know, I like so uh, just really quick, we'll do a little, <laughs> we'll do a little plug here. Soon we're going to have our triad health podcast logo on a banner. We're either going to put it in front of this table or on this whiteboard in the back, just to show people we're not just in a random shed with two mics, just to add more professional. We got a new setup. Fourth, yeah. They've got a new setup. setup too. This table is diagonal. We have two mics that actually work. We're actually getting things going. I, know. I mean, this is only our fourth episode, so give us a break for a little bit. Yeah. But we're going to continue to we add an intro more song. We need an intro song. We got all these ideas. Guests. After, and eventually, we're going to have some guests on. Definitely want guests on. Um, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, so there, we're, we're continuing to grow this and make this as legit as possible. But uh, that's our plug for now. Segway into the next subject as we continue on with this episode four fitness yeah. okay. topic. Let's talk about some real fitness stuff. So let's talk about uh, exercises. Let's talk yeah. about best exercises like for it. strength building. And then we'll talk about best exercises it. for injury prevention and just overall strength and balance in your training program. When I hear the word strength, I start to drool. Really? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's like deadlift. I just, oh man, Dude. strength, strength just 
fires me up. As Lifting a, heavy weights, oh, my eyes get big. As much of a douchebag bro thing it is to say, deadlifting feels so fucking good. <laughs> it's funny, at my gym in San Diego, I went to a global gym in San Diego, and I'm just going to say this really quick, and then we'll actually get to the actual important stuff. <laughs> there was a part of this gym in San Diego where it was called the Gorilla Cage, and you could only go into the gym. All the weights in there were just stupidly heavy. They never – deadlift bars were permanently set to certain weights. All the dumbbells were 85 pounds plus. All the machines had permanent weight on it, so you couldn't adjust it. So oh if you God. couldn't lift the weights, you weren't allowed into the gorilla cage. Wow. And it was just a bunch like of the dudes. the opposite of Planet Fitness. Oh, my gosh. It was just a bunch of dudes, <laughs> a bunch of silverback gorillas. At the time, I was 35 pounds heavier. And everyone – I mean, I was 6'5", 265, and I looked small next to some of these guys. So the point is deadlifts, heavy lifting, even for chicks, it will make you feel stronger, more confident. It's kind of a funny joke I'm making, but it's actually true, you know. And Taylor said, you know, deadlifts feel amazing. It makes you feel like a man, you know. But it's true and it's super beneficial. So back yeah. to the real stuff. Okay, strength exercises. Best exercises for building strength. Okay. So number one, these are a bunch of these people have already heard. But the deadlift, of course. I think there's a bunch of different variations of the deadlift. What does that build? What muscles would that build strength Jeez. with? Just, just, to, just like the – Oh, basic man. obvious one so Deadlift, posterior chain probably posterior chain for okay. sure legs uh hamstrings glutes, glutes. um obviously back ob your whole back basically um because when you do a proper deadlift you're, you're not having your shoulders on shoulder you're actually engaged through the shoulders so your scap muscles yeah. everything but a lot of posterior lower body stuff absolutely yeah i mean the deadlift is such it's, an amazing exercise because i like doing it barefoot and you really feel Every muscle in your in your feet working as well, all the way up to your skull. I love it. I love it. It's a great exercise when done properly. I think that's a caveat with people that are just starting out. Yeah, the barbell does have a bit of a learning curve, and you definitely want to make sure that you're doing things like deadlifts and squats with proper form. And it looks easy. It yeah, I mean, people. If you see people on social media or even at the gym do it, if they're doing it right, it looks easy. Oh, you're just picking them off the ground. But right. if you're not used to having the brain muscle brain body connection of actually moving properly with a barbell or any sort of fitness exercise movement. It's, it's going to be hard. And you, I mean, you're, you're going to have something wrong with your form. Yeah. I guess wrong is a good word because it's true with your form initially. So, but assuming you know how to do a deadlift, it's amazing for your strength. There's different ways you can do it. There's different grips. There's different mm -hmm. types of deadlifts. There's hexagon deadlifts, which yeah. you and I love. Great exercise. What is that just for the, person who might not know what oh, that man. is a hex, a hex, bar, hex, deadlift. hex bar deadlifts uh so yeah you're basically holding you're holding it from the sides so instead of with a conventional deadlift, you can stand up yeah with a conventional deadlift you're holding it from the front with hex bar you're holding it from the sides so that's and there's literally a hexagon metal bar around you so you're yeah. in the middle of this hex hex bar deadlift Whereas the traditional deadlift is with a, just a 45-pound barbell for males and a 35 A lot of people females. find that safer than a conventional deadlift. Yep. I like both. Um, they both apply different parts of different muscle fibers definitely. and muscle groups too. But, yes, there's so many. I mean, that's the beauty of fitness. We could tailor – you and I could sit here for an hour talking about only deadlifts. Mm -hmm. I know. <laughs> which is crazy. But let's – we'll move on. So that's the first one for deadlift, building strength. Okay. Um, carries. What do you mean by that? One? For so the person carrying things, know. carrying objects <clears throat> that could be carrying dumbbells at your sides, carrying a sandbag in front of you with like a bear hug, um, carrying something on your shoulder, doing a buddy carry, 
carries cover a lot of ground and it's a very functional movement. Farmer carries, you see people like strongmen. You hear that a lot, farmer carries. Axle bar carries. That's a big strength movement. I think most people should be incorporating some type of carry. Uh, you don't even have to go super heavy on them. You can just go long distance. Once you again, carry. we're assuming form is fine. We're not going right, to go into exactly. detail form right now, but assuming you know how to do it, carries are huge. Carries. I don't know, Taylor, do you want to carry me? Because I think I'm pretty big. No, fuck that. But you can't do partner carries if the person's <laughs> equal in size to you. Yes. I mean, we don't need to talk about specific numbers, but I am definitely 100 pounds, maybe. No, no, definitely. Probably, it, probably at least 75 pounds heavier than you. So yeah, that would, definitely. Yeah. That would be pretty tough for you to carry me. Yeah. Especially even just a piggyback ride, I would probably hurt you. Yeah. So be smart about it. Right. Exactly. Don't even then, you know, I mean, there's so many things you can do with it. So carries and deadlifts, we said. Yeah. This isn't going to be like a, a five best exercise oh, yeah. thing. There's I've so got much a whole more. bunch that are, they're basic exercises, but they're really important and they're not. They're also easy. I mean, you don't need a ton of equipment. Yeah. They're not like easy, but they're easy to, easy they're to get accessible. access to. Exactly. Accessible. That's, yeah. that's the point. Easy was the wrong word. Accessible. Um, I think from there we can go into a push-up. Push-up is really important for strength development. Body weight. People are like, body weight's so boring. Uh, you work. You can work your entire body doing yeah. body weight movement, uh, with the exception of your low back. I think body weight is. So since we're talking about strength, and we just said body weight, I've always thought, and do you agree with this? That and tons of different professional trainers and coaches and, and athletes have always said the same thing. So I've always kind of agreed with them. But in regards to strength, if you don't, if you don't have enough strength to move your body around properly and well to do pull-ups, push-ups, air squats, planks, then you're going to have a hard time building strength with equipment. You hear a lot of, you know? a lot of guys, a lot of like a lot of athletes in general. And it's going to be tough if how, you're big. Yeah. But go ahead. You hear a lot of athletes, high level athletes talk about, how they started doing push-ups and sit-ups when they are little. That stuff's really important to build a base. And it's it's important to do all throughout your fitness career. What you know, whether you're doing whether you're a professional athlete or not, I think body weight is really important. And you can get you can get more advanced. You can start adding weight. Oh yeah. You can do there's tons of different variations of a push-up and a pull-up, which is the next exercise I want to talk about. The pull-up. Um, um, really quick, like I, just for example of strength, I had to take two years off. I didn't work out for two years because I was just sick in the hospital. When I started getting healthy enough to actually start exercising and doing fitness again, I literally started with only body weight. My body, my strength, even though I was starting from basically zero, yeah. my strength increased a ton. My body mass increased. My muscle mass increased. I did every day. I did 50 push-ups, And if I couldn't do 50 just regular, I just did 50 on my knees. I did uh, 50 air squats and then 50 calf raises and then 50 dips. And with the push-ups, though, I mean, that's. I mean, bodyweight pushups, every, you know, there's parts of my training when, and when I was a competitive CrossFitter where it doesn't matter what day it was, every single day I did bodyweight when I woke up in the morning just to get that foundation, to get me going, to maybe loosen up my muscles, see if I, because if something hurts or sore during bodyweight, yeah. it's probably going to hurt when you add more weight. So right. yes, bodyweight pushups are huge. You said pull-ups, that's still kind of pretty much body, I mean, that is bodyweight, yeah. you just need a pull-up bar. Yeah. So what do you think about pull-ups? Pull-ups? Yeah, absolutely. Pull-ups, you can, I mean, different variations, like just like the, just like the push-ups and deadlifts. Yeah. I mean, and the carries. I mean, you can variations, pulling yourself up to a bar. What do you um, think if someone doesn't do pull-ups regularly, what do you think is like the one or two variations they should just start with or that, that are probably the easiest for them to get to start with as their foundation? On a pull-up? 
On a pull-up, yeah. You're talking about fun foundational exercises they can do to build up to a pull-up? or um, Let's assume it, they can at least do one body weight, one pull-up, one full pull-up, and they want to start getting better at body, using pull-ups as a body weight to get better strength and stuff. What are Because there's different ways you can grip it, different everything. So what do you think is maybe like the best bet? Because for me, off the bat, there's the two ways. I think the the under – what would you – what's the phrasing? And you, people pronated, call it supinated. Yeah, pronated grip. So supinated grip is literally, you know, assume you have soup in your hands. That's the grip that you're going to use on the bar. So if a person's watching you. Be a chin up. Yeah, be a chin up, which is, you know, same thing as, I mean, it's same kind of movement as a pull up. But you're going to have your hand, your knuckles facing the person watching you from the front. And then a pronated is when just the kind of standard pull up that some people might think of. Yeah. So, yeah. So you have supinated grip, chin up. Pronated. I find that people, go ahead. Beginners starting out on pull-ups slash chin-ups, I tend to I tend to find, especially with some of the people I've worked with, that they have an easier time doing a chin-up mm-hmm. um, than a regular pull-up. But both of those variations are really super important. important. So chin-up and pull-up. Chin-up is knuckles facing away from you. Pull-up is knuckles facing towards you. You can get real specific. You can get a correct different variations. You can do V grip pull-ups with the little V. Change your uh, width of grip. Yeah, you can, do, you can add weight. Yeah, you can add weight, you do wide grip, you can do narrow Because even now, you, Taylor's working on strength all the time, every week, just like me. But, you know, now we're doing – I do weighted pull-ups once a week, once every couple weeks at least. I mean, because Taylor now – Taylor's a little bodyweight ninja. You can do a ton of just bodyweight pull-ups, regular pull-ups. Yeah. But you add weight to your – you do weighted pull-ups, you do holds now and stuff. That all yeah. adds strength, which is why we're bringing it up as this exercise for strength. And so yeah. Absolutely. So other exercises that are really important, the dip. Um, Explain that to people. Yeah. So regular body weight dip. Most gyms have a dip station. Um, Which you dip with the dip station, like the grips or dip on rings or both? Uh, rings are all quite a bit more advanced. So I wouldn't say people should start with that. But tough. Uh, trust for, for just people in general, some type of dip variation. Let's just keep it a broad audience. So people for CrossFitters, for Average Joe's, the dip is good. Even a high-level athlete, doing yes. dips consistently is good, especially dips. if you're doing it properly, which yeah. we're assuming you're doing. Yeah, so that's another one. Uh, squats, I mentioned squats. Mm-hmm. So we have the back squat, the deadlift. We have push-up, pull-up, dip. Carries as well. Carries. Those are uh, That's a good place to start right there. That's a great starting point. And how often – I think maybe the only other thing you could throw in there would be like some type of overhead press. Mm, that's true. Some type Even of just a dumbbell press. You know, just, I think, yeah, I think what gosh, a lot of people find so much. if you're going to do, I'd say a, a neutral grip press is really good for your shoulders. And um, for people not watching, how would you describe a neutral a grip? A neutral grip press. So with a regular press, your, your hands are in the pronated position with a neutral grip press. You're sort of in between pronated and supinated. So your, your hands are sort of. Can you use a dumbbell with, or a barbell with. Yeah. Okay. No. So that's unless, unless you're using a hex bar. That's true. You can't actually do that. <laughs> you can't do it. I've seen people do that before, but no. But a neutral grip is easiest with dumbbells absolutely. or kettlebells. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's, that's actually take that's that back. Yes, you can do that. But um, one one more exercise I want to add. So we got. <laughs> I'll go through them all. Is the Russian kettlebell swing? I think you can make a really well-rounded program with those. So the deadlift, back squat, two, some type of press, the Russian kettlebell swing. You have your basic body weight movement. So you have your push up, pull up, dip. And the eighth one was the carries. And carries. So we have eight exercises. 
You can, you can yeah. design an incredible oh strength gosh, program out of just those movements. That's great for any level of fitness because if you just pick two of those eight, you could write out a program or a, a plan because there's so many different variations yeah. of each one. So many variations. You we can change up so much. Even if you just did the same type of push-up, you could change the reps. You can change if you put weight on your back. I mean, it's crazy. With a squat, there's a ton of variations. You oh, can do box man, squats. Stupid. Say, say you're not squatting at parallel. Say you're not squatting just below. Say you're not comfortable squatting just below parallel. You can squat to a box. I highly recommend squatting to a box, especially for older folks, too. Mm-hmm. It's a lot better. It's a lot easier on your knees, rather. Very easy on your knees. And if you have bad ankle mobility, way better. Yeah. It's also, Taylor and I have been training, you know, pretty, I mean, we're pretty high level with fitness at this point in our lives. And we still do box squats. I love box squats. Yeah. It's, it's really, there's benefits to all of it. So I think that's huge. And that's what's coolest about the eight exercises that mainly Taylor just mentioned and I kind of just piggybacked off of is that's applicable to any demographic, which is great. Which is really good because we're trying not to cater towards only elderly, only athletes, or only young adults, or only beginners. I mean, we're trying to – this is something that can apply to everyone with not only the fitness but with other episodes of nutrition and mental health. So is that the eight we should settle on for now, you think? I I I think think that's great. Yeah, those are great. That's a good place to start. I like that. We might even put them in the description for – we, we might even put them in the description just to remind people in yeah. case they're not writing it down. Maybe they're driving and listening to this. We'll eight exercises eight. everybody should be doing, or well, everybody. Most people should be doing. Especially trying to build a strength foundation. For strength foundation, absolutely. I want to talk about recovery because it's kind of fresh on my mind. I want to talk about recovery methods. Let's do it. That people can use and implement into their own training. So I want to talk about a few that I use currently that I love. Um I'm sure I do the same things, but we'll see. Yeah, so stay tuned to see. Yeah. A lot of people know that I'm really interested in the sauna. There's a ton of research being done on the sauna right now, and that has been done over a long period of time, showing results with increased uh, blood plasma volume and recovery, increased recovery from exercise when the sauna has been done post-workout. Um, there's been studies that have followed. I might be butchering some of these. But there's been studies that have followed specifically males for like many years, like 20 plus years. And it showed that men who use the sauna like 46 times per week had like some crazy reduction in all cause mortality uh, for like 15 to 20 minutes a day. Yep. And we 180 degrees plus. 180 degrees plus. That's big. We've talked about in this episode overtraining and injury. Sauna will help with all of the recovery, all that for injuries. My physical therapist always told me to do a sauna when I had a surgery for, for an injury because it helps prevent muscle loss while you're not li- yeah. using those muscles. So Actually, I had, I just posted a story. Yeah. Uh, oh, you did. Yeah, link, that's right. A link to a research study that was on muscle atrophy, muscle atrophy. staving off muscle atrophy with a sauna session post-workout. Really cool. Crazy, stuff. crazy cool. Really cool research. My doctors at KU Med, Kansas University Medical Center, I've all been telling me to go to the sauna two or three days a week at least to help with my um, kidney disease, to help with all the meds I'm taking. Just in general, it's just it's just really good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not just saying that because we like saunas or yeah. maybe we have a sauna. There's proof in the pudding. So, yeah. And you've obviously just talked about that. Yeah. I like the 
the sauna, you can kind of relate it, I guess, a little bit to the feeling that you'd get after you do a hard like CrossFit workout, like a wad. Uh, you release a lot of dynorphins because you're really uncomfortable. You're sitting in that heat. And then when you get out, you release a lot of endorphins. Do you do sauna and just leave, or sometimes do you do sauna straight in the cold? I have been doing that recently, so okay. I can't speak a lot on the scientific stuff on the cold, um, although there is a yeah. large body of research That's on that as well. Thing. And we can come back with resources in that later. The but. cold, I know, I know the cold helps. You see a lot of athletes doing it now, like Josh Bridges and uh, obviously Wim Hof and Ben Greenfield. Some of the strongest men on the planet, The guy, two of the guys who won the world's strongest men in the last two years at their own house. They have a gigantic tub, hot tub, yeah. and then they have a sauna. And then they have a gigantic cold tub. Yeah. So it, and it contrast is great. Going from hot to cold specifically. Yes. And I've been doing that since Taylor brought it up um, to me a couple weeks ago. I've actually started doing that. Mm -hmm. First That's of all, really it's, good. it makes you feel good initially. And if you're dying of the cold, you can always quickly run back into the sauna real quick yeah. and then leave or whatever. But I'm not – I've been increasing my training since for the past month mm -hmm incrementally every week and i'm not any i'm not any more sore or anything and i think a lot of it has to do with the sauna mm -hmm. and other things diet nutrition sleep but the sauna is super helpful because that's something i didn't do over you know only in the past month i've been doing it. right so there is some research that says that you shouldn't use the uh, the cold a cold shower ice bath right after you work out and i think the only time that it would be okay apparently it blunts a lot of the hormetic response that you get yeah. to doing a hard weight training workout or something like that. So if you're using the cold right after you work out in a, like a hard weight training session, uh, it can blunt some of the hormetic response that you want when you put your body through that weight training session. So you want to wait at least an hour or two after to do yep. the cold. Now the sauna is a different story. The sauna actually has been shown to help boost that hormetic effect that you get after you work out. So anyways, I think the only the only way the only reason to be okay, the only circumstance rather to be okay to use the cold post workout would be like you see CrossFit athletes use it during events post. You're not you're not training right. for to recover from. You're training to recover for your next event that you're going to do that day. So an ice bath after the workout immediately might help in that. It might help. It also decreased inflammation know. and swelling in case you have an injury. But in exactly. regards to just. Um, recovery for someone who's going to be working out consistently over a week, mm -hmm. month, or whatever, like you said, it's probably not the best. But also, I I do cold showers mainly uh, in the mornings when yeah, I wake up. That's what I, don't, I was going to say. Exactly. exactly. So that's yes. something that's big, and that even helps recover. You don't have to do it mixed with the sauna. It's perfectly fine, and it's probably even better uh -huh. if you just do it on its own. Are you still walking in the morning too? I, every morning. Me too, yeah. That's one thing. I post it on my story a lot. I walk every single morning, just about. I walk about 20 minutes when I wake up. Mm -hmm. I wake up, I drink water. So you're fasted? Fasted, fasted in the morning. I'd wake up, I drink water, put some uh, sea salt, Celtic salt in my water with some lemon juice. Drink that, about 12 ounces. Then I take the dog for a walk. About 20 minutes, gives me about a mile. And then I come back. Uh, I've been kind of off and on in the cold shower, but typically I'll cold shower after the walk in the morning. And, at, two and not only with recovery, that helps a lot with just not only getting your body going in the morning, it'll help prevent some delayed onset soreness from your training sessions and workouts early in the week. But also, it's really good if you want to, if you're trying to gain strength and possibly your guy or girl out there or guy or lady who out there who's trying to gain muscle mass, 
That is so cool. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> so important to do that and not gain body fat. So there's, I, yeah. even myself, so I got a DECA scan. I was telling Terry about this. So I did the fasted cardio or the fasted walk in the morning. I just would drink a gigantic cup of water. Um, and I'd go on my 20 minute walk, 10 minute walk, whatever I had time for, but I wouldn't do it. I would do it on an empty stomach. And I ended up gaining 10 pounds of muscle mass over an extended period of time without gaining uh, body fat percentage. And that's something that's really cool too. It's another extra little benefit. Not only is it good for recovery, but the fasted walk and then the cold shower and then a good breakfast. Yeah. And then a good morning. Oh man, I want to get a superhero. I want to get Ben Greenfield. If you guys don't know what Ben Greenfield Fitness is, we got we put out a lot of credits. We talked about him. We talked a lot of just in case. We put out a lot of credits in this episode. Yeah. Uh, but that's I learned that routine from him for staying lean, and I've been using that for the past couple months now. Same with me. Yeah, ever since I heard about it, and it was crazy too. Is it's great. not just him. I've ever since hearing him talk about it and what's worked for him. Yeah. He also uses it on. He teaches it to his clients, but I've also heard other athletes just ironically good timing talk about them doing the exact same things postseason or even during the season so yeah. that's a great way to recover too the walking it's a low level activity but it's not anything that's going to totally burn out your central nervous system do you ever walk post-workout like right away just to walk things off because i know for me if i was on the ground after an intense training session i go i go for a yeah, quick little at a least a three-minute walk you should definitely cool down. If you do an intense Metcon or something like that, you should at least either hop on the Concept 2 rower for in super light rowing. Yes, it's a recovery. It's not a, recovery. Another workout. <laughs> or the Soul Bike for just a light ride or a walk post you should just to flush your body. That's also going to help when you're in the car driving home. You won't all of a sudden cramp up and you're not going to feel like you're 100 years old when you get out of the car to start walking again. Yeah, That was miserable for me for a while. Once I actually had recovery – post-workout recovery cool down and this is not going to take a long time i would walk for three to five minutes maybe mobilize something that might be causing me a little discomfort go home and i'm chilling i'm good so that's huge for recovery Absolutely. big 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 man what else for recovery you know do you do, do, you do anything else yeah so for yeah besides, i guess that's probably good. sleep we talked about sleep. yeah that's sleep a good way to really that's a good way to kind of start wrapping up this episode is talk about you and i what you do specifically what i do specifically so for me, uh, let's say so. Let's say I get the workout. No matter what time of day, I have a training session. I work out that day, and it's going to be anywhere from forty-five minutes to ninety minutes, depending on the day of the week. Um, post-workout, so for recovery, I three days a week I go to the sauna right away. I try to crank it up to as high as it goes, and I'm in there for anywhere between ten to twenty minutes, depending on how I'm feeling. Yeah. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, okay, this is really hot. Ten minutes, I'm good. I try to go for 20 minutes though, every yeah. time. And then when I'm not doing the sauna, I go, that's the days that I go for the walk afterwards, right after I'm done with my training session. Even if it wasn't one of those intense sessions where I'm on the ground rolling around in pain, it hurts to even stand up and let a breath. I still do a three to five minute walk. It, there, I, you know, I'm guaranteed there's some actual details about like the toxins it releases and stuff, but that's what I do on the days I'm not doing the sauna. Then I, I focus on hydrating. Post-workout meal is so important. We can talk about that in the nutrition episode. Yeah. So I have a very uh, conscientious post-workout meal, hydration. And then I make sure and I sleep as best as I can, quality of sleep. Because someone yes. can sleep for 10 hours but wake up exhausted because you got sleep, you didn't get rest. Exactly. So for me, yeah. really quick, it's the sauna and or the walk. 
And then it's uh, hydration, good post-workout meal, and then doing my best to get quality sleep. That works for me almost every time. What about you? Anything different with you? I mean, I know you do pretty much all that verbatim. Oh, absolutely. So anything anything for yeah. you that you do differently besides that? I mean, absolutely. So that's I something do. I do every week, every day. I try. Obviously, focus on rest. I do like to use the boob strap. I haven't been using it very much lately, but I wish I could do that. I haven't signed the bottom one yet. That thing helps measure your heart rate variability, which is a very good indicator of your actual recovery because it's that's it shows you how well your central nervous system is recovered. Doesn't it give you versus percentage. just late onset muscle soreness. Does that doesn't give you percentage? It gives you a daily percentage based on your activity. See how level. how well you recovered, yeah, which is it, like it's a cool it's a really awesome. cool device. Um, I don't think it's a it's definitely not hundred percent accurate. I think those devices are probably about. 65 to 70% accurate. It's still um, good. But it's really cool. out of you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really cool. It's a really cool device. I highly recommend it. But uh, for me, the sleep is important. And what's even more important than that is we all struggle with this. I even struggle with this. But getting to sleep at the same time every night, whoo, fucking hard, right? Like getting to sleep at the same time and regulating your circadian rhythm is really hard. But it is a huge factor in recovery and the way you feel throughout big. the day. You hear people talk about that a lot. It's so hard to do with our lives now because we're constantly, we're always watching Netflix at night or I don't know what people do now, play video games. Probably Netflix for most Stare people. Stare at the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Up late working, checking emails, whatever people yeah. are doing. Instagram, wasting your time on your Instagram, phone. sitting in bed, watching YouTube videos. Anyway, so. Do you wake up at the same time then too most days since you're going to – because you said consistency in your circadian rhythm. I 100% agree. I do, yeah. Okay, because I do too. I wake up at the same time, pretty much exactly the same time, and I go to bed within a half hour at the same time every night. Yeah. So with you, that's the same. I try to do that. I've been getting – I'm notoriously a little bit of a night owl. Progress, Um, not perfection. Yeah, exactly. We're not – no one's perfect here. But uh, for sure, quality of sleep, like you said, and – really focusing on getting that like for me getting the eight hours of sleep a night um especially quality sleep not yes. no, i'm not just talking about how much you know because you're, you're laying in bed for like 30 minutes that doesn't count as your sleep um so we'll transition on i it's hard to do here in the midwest in the winter but for me i noticed i notice a huge difference when i get sunlight and when i don't get sunlight yeah. so that vitamin d that's vitamin D is a steroid hormone. It regulates a thousand different genes in the body. It's important for muscle function and health, um, heart health. I noticed that I noticed definitely a decline in vitality in the winter. Just a, just a tad. I agree. Um, today it was it was gloomy and cloudy the entire day, which is not a shocker for Kansas City winter. But I also took for granted when I was in San Diego, my recovery walks or just my morning walks, it was always sunny. Yeah. And that is so important though. The vitamin D, I mean, there's a, we're, humans benefit so much from the sun. I'm looking forward to that yeah. this summer. So you do I, that yeah. all, as, whenever it's sunny out, you utilize it. Yeah. It's, yeah. When, I, when I started doing the walking in the morning, it's it was kind of starting to get cold out. I think it was really like October. <laughs> it's, yeah. It gets chilly. But yeah, so in the summer, I'm looking forward to getting out in the morning and going outside with my shirt off and just get soaking up the rays, getting the vitamin D. That's huge for recovery. Also, mood. It's good for your mental oh, health. Yeah. It, it, there's so much. And just over, you know, you don't have to supplement then with Jack a bunch of tan. vitamin D. Dude, Come on. I'm Jack and tan. I'm Jack. He's tan. <laughs> we're chill. We're good to go. We're pretty cool, I know. Uh, we're joking. Yeah. We're being sarcastic. We're not cocky D-bags. But <laughs> then again, Jack and tan. There you go. Boom. 
we might change the podcast name to that, actually. Jacked and Tam. Jacked and Tam, actually. You just got to get way more Tam. I know, exactly. <laughs> and I got to get way more Jack. I gotta look like, my goal is to look like Bane someday. My fitness regimen right now and recovery methods, <laughs> all I can think about is Bane, Bane, Bane. For those of you who don't know, Bane Bane's is the ice cream. Yeah, right. Beer. Bane is Whatever the uh, evil guy Batman. in the <laughs> Batman movie. It was Tom Hardy, and he put on a ton of muscle mass for that role. He had traps for days. I know, right? I'm assuming it wasn't natural. Just assuming because he put it on really quick. But HGH. Yeah. Gosh. I don't know. I'm kidding. No, he, we don't know for sure, obviously. But he had traps so big, you could hardly see his neck. His shoulders got – I mean, he's not usually that big. You know what's funny about that, though? I like how Batman, like Chris, uh, Christian Bale. Christian Bale in the Batman. Was taller. Oh, I know. <laughs> like, if you look at the, the behind-the-set photos, yeah. he's taller than Bane. But you know what's crazy? If they stood face-to-face <laughs> -face and you could not – if you're looking – if you're facing the back of Bane and Batman's right in front of him, you couldn't see Batman because yeah. Bane is so wide with his shoulders yeah. and hips. That's what – but basically, if you just Google picture – just Google Bane and see what he looks like, yeah, that's basically – what I'm going for, it's some people might think it's ridiculous, but you know what? I felt the best physically and my best fitness, and I was recovering the best when I was in the 250 to 255 range. I'm also 6'5, so it's yeah. different if Taylor is 255 pounds, yeah, that ain't gonna happen. Then someone who's 6'5, I had 10% body fat or 9% body fat at 255 pounds. That was the best I ever felt physically, mentally. My diet was on point. My recovery is better. Anyways, yeah. So back, yeah, back on yes. recovery. Bane, Bane. Uh, back on recovery. So, so the sun, yeah, sunlight for okay. me is huge. Uh, I notice a massive difference in anything from like vascularity to just nude, uh, and just recovery. Specifically, in sun. Strong in the sun. Not I love tanning beds or lights. I mean, no, that's not natural. Not, natural sunlight. That. Tanning beds are horrible for you. But uh, like this fake floor, you know. Inside, I mean, this doesn't do anything. Ugh. You got to have natural sunlight for anyone who doesn't. That might be obvious to some people, but some people might not know. Right? There is. You probably heard of this. Have I told you about this? It's called a Juve light panel. I have heard about that. Infra it's called infrared light therapy. It's supposed to mimic yeah certain frequencies of light that you would get from the sun. They actually are implementing that in some hospitals in Europe. That's really just to cool. help with people because you know I got so pale and I had to do. Uh, but every two weeks I had to do injections of vitamin D, iron, all these different things because I lost uh, – my levels were so low from sitting in a bed under fake light all day. Yeah. They're actually implanted in the hospitals. It's probably not very cheap right now because it's no. just kind of coming out. Juve's expensive. That is an option. Yeah. So if anybody's interested in that, anybody who has SAD in the winter um, or winter depression or whatever, it's called Juve. I think it's J O V V, mm -hmm. J O O V V, something like that. So one of those two. Just, just you can call it Google's your best friend for that. Juve light panel, infrared light panel. It's mm -hmm. infrared light therapy. They're a little bit expensive. I think they're allowing you to finance them now, though. Yeah, and that's right. obviously Anyways. the best bet is natural sunlight. Yeah. But so even a better option than nothing is the, that's more the biohacking yes. side things. But so anyways, so vitamin D sunlight for me. Uh, sleep quality, hydration is huge. Yeah, just like and I said, I put, hydration. Yeah, I put Celtic salt in my water, in a lot of my water. It's super high in minerals. It's Where do you get that? You can get Celtic salt anywhere. Uh, I think Hy-Vee, okay. Health Market has it. You can get it at Sprouts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I think Whole Foods probably has it too. But 
It's high in what? I cut you off again. It, Celtic salt uh, is the highest. It's a salt that's highest in mineral content. So they tested a bunch of salts. They tested Himalayan pink salt. They tested, uh, which Himalayan pink salt doesn't actually come from the Himalayas. Boom. Isn't that funny? Mic drop. It's, it's funny, like French fries don't come from France. What the <laughs> hell? But yes. And why is mineral content in these in that Celtic sea yeah, salt? Celtic sea salt. It's why not, is it so important to have a high mineral con content? What is that? Does that help with your hydration? Electrolytes. So yeah, exactly. So you need, Electrolytes. You need sodium. I think that's a big. Hey, we'll we'll talk about that on the next. Yeah, that could be podcast. nutrition, but in general, that you need hydration helps with recovery. Electrolytes, hydration will help with your. Uh, recovery. Um, so those are, those are big ones for me. Hydration, sleep, sunlight, rest, of course, like real rest, walking, low level activity. And uh, I think those are my biggest ones for me. And besides, me. besides nutrition, we can talk about nutritional yeah, recovery. And this is something episode. we can talk about too, but just really quick, just to clarify for recovery, I bet a lot of people out there do this for recovery. They take a post-workout scoop of protein powder and a protein shake. Yeah. I don't do that anymore. There are some out there yeah, so, that are yeah. not that bad. I mean, they're, they're not going to hurt you. There's some, though, that are so processed and full of chemicals. So I would credits. not do it. I got Yeah. So I don't I don't typically eat right after I work out anymore either. See, I have to. I get so hungry. I'm also I, uh, a large human. So, so yeah, I don't know if you know. Yeah, there's a guy named Mark Sisson. He's the yep. owner of Primal Kitchen. I first, heard, I first heard him talking about this and later some guys like Ben Greenfield. He talked about you actually get a – a higher boost in growth hormone response when you wait to eat post-workout versus eat slamming a carbohydrate and protein and creatine drink right Correct. after workout. And see, now, I think that's important because when I say I eat right away, I don't eat my big post-workout meal right away. Yeah. I just get something in my system, whether it's a banana or just yeah something to just at least make me not feel so weak and craving food. So yeah, go ahead. I think well, it de can depend on the yes. person. I know for me, I don't typically eat right after a workout. Because you do get a greater response in That's growth big. hormone when you wait to eat after you work out. Now, if you're an athlete training hard and you beat the shit out of your body that day in the gym and you need to beat the shit out of your body the next day in the gym, you need to do it. Say you're doing a hard Metcon and a weightlifting session this day or multiple workouts and then you need to do that same thing again because you're training for something or you're an MMA athlete, whatever. That's when you would utilize that post-workout drink or post-workout meal right away. Get it in your system right away. Yeah. There's that cliche out there, which might actually be true, but everyone, you know, I grew up hearing, oh, you got to get something in your system within 30 minutes. Otherwise your muscles don't absorb. That's, that's not true. kind of a wife's, not kind of, it yeah. is a wife's tale, but you're exactly right. This is, this if you are in an intense training week, training schedule, getting that post-workout shake or some some sort of sustenance post-workout as soon as possible is big if yes. you're doing intense 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 yeah. stuff you know but right. in regards to just regular training and longevity fitness recovery what you say is best you don't think it's in fact it's not you it's just proven yeah yeah it's been scientifically proven that it's better to wait post-workout to eat your meal how long do you wait like an hour or so. Okay. Yeah, that's good. You get, you get a, I mean, a boost in growth hormone. Doesn't mean you're not hydrating, drinking water. No. You're just not eating at all. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you. I don't think I need extra HGH or anything. But yeah. no, I'm kidding. I think I do. Yeah. I'm kidding. No. Yeah, but <laughs> no. Um, that's super important for people to know. And that, those are little nuggets that not enough people hear about. That kind of thing was probably a game changer for you, I'm assuming. It's a, It definitely helps. I mean, I feel yeah. And Amazing. just like anything that we're talking about, it's not going to make a change, a positive change right away, overnight. Exactly. 
implementing that, implementing any recovery things Taylor and I talked about over time consistently, you will reap the benefits and then some. You'll feel amazing. You just don't get discouraged. You know, Absolutely. just like we talked about through your nutrition and your mental health. This is all about consistently because I, I was talking about my dad about this. My, I told my dad, you eating that fudge, he, he, you know, we had so much fudge on those treats for holidays. You eating fudge this one night will not make you unhealthy and fat, but you doing it once or twice a week for the next 20 years absolutely, or every day yeah. consistently, that one burger and fries you eat right now, it's not going to change your health off that one meal, but doing that over and over again will slowly start to hurt you and help you. So just yeah. like with the good lack of movement, you know, yeah. sitting all the time, eating less processed food, eating a healthy diet one day, isn't going to all of a sudden make you just a health mm-hmm. beast, but consistently over time, it will improve your health and then some. Exactly. Go ahead. So yeah, I think, I think we should go ahead and wrap this up. I think we're, yeah, I guess do you want to sum up just briefly yeah. what we talked about? Yeah. I mean, I mean, so hopefully, hopefully you guys can take away something from this episode. We talked a lot about, uh, we talked about recovery methods. We talked about uh, different strategies for strength for training, strength training, strength development, different strength yeah. development exercises. We gave you eight exercises. We will include those in the details just in case you guys didn't write them down. Yeah, or we'll forgot. include those exercises in the show notes. Um, Overtraining, yeah. injury prevention, and then recovery. We just finished with our recovery. Yeah. And w- would you agree with this? Everyone's going to be a little different. There's not one oh, 100%. or yeah. two specific things everyone should do. And I just want to make that 100% crystal clear for everyone. No, it's hard. I tried to yeah. I tried to in this episode include a little a bit of demographic of people. So, I mean, we'll have episodes that are focused more on professional athletes because I love that side of the equation. Mm-hmm. Even more so than the beginner side, although I like to cater to both crowds. Yeah, and even when you're saying, I think beginner slash just people are, are work, working out using their fitness to become just healthier. Yeah, you know that. But and I can't, you know, reiterate this enough. Every episode, the stuff, the jewels, the fire, the yeah. you know bombs of knowledge that Taylor and I give, and just anything we talk about won't help you at all unless you implement it. Right. You can listen to this fourth episode and then in a year you can listen to our, you know, you can listen to all whatever, you know, let's say we have 50 episodes. Mm -hmm. You can listen to all 50. If you don't actually implement and do something about it, you're never, your health is never going to get better. And your triad of health, your fitness, nutrition, mental health is going to be far from where it needs to be. And like we say a lot, you got to decide you're going to do something for your health, then commit to it and then act. So, you know, and I say that a lot during my speaking gigs. Yep. I can see you for the next five hours, but if you guys don't actually take action, it's not going to do anything. So try to do your best to decide, commit, act on the stuff we've talked about today and on the other episodes. And any famous last words? I think that's good. I think we'll yeah. see you guys. We'll see you guys here. Episode Cinco, episode five. Wow. Yeah. We Feels like we episodes. just started this like two days ago. Wait, episode four. This is episode this four. Episode four. This is one next four. week. Next, yo, we'll see you next, next time. Week, yeah. Next time, as in, we'll see episode yeah, five. Yeah, this was a little bit of a longer episode, but which is great, you know. And you, and, I'm talking forever about fitness. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, every episode, you and I could probably, we could literally have the recording going for probably five hours, and we'd yeah. still go over for every episode: mental yeah. health, nutrition, fitness. When we have guests, we're gonna have to try to cut oh, it yeah, off I eventually. Know. Try to go 90 minutes or less, maybe two hours. That's for some, but yeah. And we, uh, uh, that's some exciting stuff. There's some very unique 
characters and people with different expertise levels and different backgrounds that we'll have on here eventually. Absolutely. Um, just stay tuned for that. And yeah. next week we'll talk about nutrition. We won't go into the That's details about what we're going to talk about, but next week's episode is going to be uh, based on the episode. nutrition aspect of the triad of health. Absolutely. And with that, we will see you guys here next week. This episode will be up by Wednesday. By Wednesday night. Yep. And big announcement. We are on Apple now we're on Apple Podcasts. Big time. Which is cool. We're moving, um, we're moving on up. I don't know man. if that's a big announcement. We, well, I think it's a big announcement. We weren't on it for the first three episodes. Yeah. We had no. to like, you know, submit a request and stuff. And the cool thing about that is you can rate us one to five stars. Yeah. If you like anything about us, throw us a rating. Throw us a rating. Write us a comment. Write us a comment. Write anything you'd like anything. us to talk about. Anything you'd like to see. Uh our, let us know. Yeah, yeah, our own Instagrams are on the podcast Instagram, which is at Triad Health Pod. So you can either message us through the podcast Instagram Send us or DMs. our own Instagrams. We will comment back. We'll talk down to the you guys. DMs. Yeah, it goes down in the deep. Down in the DMs and go down. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to say uh, three, two, one, boom, episode over. <laughs>